Hey y'all, this is Jeff Ryder of Gravity Matters from Cloud Wrangler Comics, and you are listening to Adrian Has Issues, because you are smart. Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. Today I am speaking to a guest who has been on the show three times before. You know him best probably as the co-host of the Comical Podcast, which is a really great podcast dealing with comics and just some really fun and insane stories, uh, usually from you and your <laughs> co-host Miguel. Um, AKA Lord Horstocles, which of course minions rise up. Um, I'm just going to say that real quick. <laughs> and matter of fact, let's see, you were, oh, you had a few of them. You were on, let's see, episode three, which was the comical world of Justin Corbett. Um, you were also on an episode, well, actually, you had kind of pitched in real quick um, with Miguel for his episode, um, 50 Shades of Nay, which was another one of my favorites. And. That was a great was one, a right? One. <laughs> and episode 46 yeah. was a lot of fun, which is actually what we're going to be discussing today, because on that show, you were talking about a book you had just launched with your buddy George Tripsis, if I'm not mistaken, host of yep. Metal Geeks, and you guys have actually created a comic book together called Speak No Evil, which is like a cool, fun mashup of, let's say, like H.P. Lovecraft and some other really cool supernatural elements. And I just have to say, before we even go any further, that episode is probably one of my more cut and dry as far as the interview but yet a reference was made and of course i put in the title which is nooks and crannies which may very well have been like the <laughs> filthiest thing i've said on the show so far you had a successful kickstarter and you are pretty much storming out of the gate with number one but now you are back with number two we're gonna get a little bit into that so uh justin thanks for coming back on man it's always great to chat with you yeah likewise man i love coming on your show it's always fun uh thanks for having me back Thank you for having me on your show. Well, actually, thank you for allowing me to hijack your show. Um, <laughs> way back when we did like the Secret Wars level crossover where basically we were hosting each other's shows and Joseph and Shaddai of Nerd's Law, I jumped on with them, but basically we recreated a segment on your show um, where you do the, was it tell us a funny story? <laughs> I've always appreciated that because that's one of my favorite things I've, you know, we've done a podcast. So let's get into it. Speak no evil. If you want to give any new listeners just a quick little recap about what the comic is about. Sure. Uh, so speak no evil is the story of these two brothers in the 1930s that find a cabin in the woods that used to be used by HP Lovecraft and Nikola Tesla for all kinds of weird experiments. And the boys find it and start playing with the equipment inside and accidentally open a portal to another dimension, letting a whole bunch of demons through. And then instead of doing the right thing and trying to fix the situation, they figure out a way to make money off of it. So they start going from town to town saying, hey, we realize there's this big monster problem. We can help you guys solve it, but you got to pay us first. So it's very much a horror comedy story. Uh, and that's kind of like the overall pitch for the general story going forward. Um, issue one really focused on the boys and introducing you to them and introducing you to what happened 10 years ago with Tesla and Lovecraft and issue two continues that and you kind of get to see more of the boys uh, playing with the equipment, making mistakes, and then uh, you get to be introduced to the very first like major monster, major demon that we have in the book. Now, we talked the first time 
we got into a little bit as far as your motivations behind creating a story, because naturally you are a comic book fan. You have a podcast where you talk about comics. What gave me away? <laughs> right? <laughs> well, the fact that it was called Comical, I'm not sure. That could have been anything. I honestly thought it was actually about like foreign policy or something. Very boring, dry stuff. It's, you know, it's stuff you at NPR. It's all about a guy named Al and his comedy, his stand-up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Comic Al. Okay. Comic Al, yeah. There you go. <laughs> See, I figured you guys would do something like the day podcast where basically you just talk about a bunch of owls in comedy, which you're probably only like, what, 10? Well, we did uh, we did jokingly talk about doing a segment when we were at cons where we walked around until we found an owl and then we would interview him. But we never we never actually followed through with it. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's still kind of on the back burner. We may do it someday, but never really followed through with it. Issue number one was successfully funded, and obviously we didn't get a chance to really catch up since then. But I mean, you've been pretty much making the uh, the rounds as far as like doing conventions and getting people really jazzed about it. So something I have to ask, like I did last time, is you know, as someone who talks about comics on your podcast, now you're making them. Like, what's that experience been like? Especially now having one where you know your book, at least the first issue, was made, and now you're putting it out there. Uh, it's been kind of eye-opening because you don't really know what to expect going into something like this, but it's also been an absolute blast. I love working with George. He's so much fun and just hanging out with him every weekend, going to cons, going to shows, uh, doing signings at stores. It's just a lot of fun because he's a, he's a really good friend. We get along really well and uh, we complement each other's writing styles really well too. So when we're working on the actual book, it's a lot of fun. The reception for the book has been super positive too. Like We have 10 reviews that have come back so far for it and nine of them have been just glowing. Uh, the other one was from a guy who seems really bitter and doesn't seem like he likes comics anymore at all and dismissed it outright because he used historical figures in the, in the story. So that was kind of, you know, it is what it is. I don't take it personally, but it is what it is. I don't know, but did you not read like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen of books like that where, you know, you take them and sort of twist them into this different universe? Wow, that's a weird thing to get angry about. <laughs> For anybody that wants to read the review, it's on Comic Bastards. And it's, you know, if you just search for Speak No Evil reviews, it's one of the first ones that pops up. He basically had a problem with people using Lovecraft and Tesla in particular uh, because he feels like people don't do any sort of research and they just tarnish those men's legacies. And that was something that George and I absolutely didn't want to do was, uh, you know, ruin the legacy set forth by those two, you know, amazing people. So we did a lot of research before we even started writing this to learn more about the guys and to try to make things as historically accurate as we could. And it really kind of annoys me that he dismissed us for that one thing, but didn't really bother to devote any time to figuring out what we did know and what we did get right. Cause if you read the book, you will see there are some things and some comments that are made that uh, kind of allude to the fact that we know at least somewhat what we're talking about. Right, exactly. It's like, again, what a weird thing to get angry about. And one thing we did talk about the last time you guys were on the show, uh, you and George both, was the fact that you really went and researched and tried to pretty much capture the tone and the dialogue of, you know, these two individuals as they would have been in the 30s. You know, it's not like it's like super modern, but, you know, you really did your homework on it. And that's something that, you know, like you, as a writer, you just do, especially if you're writing about something that's very era specific, you had to put the work in. So maybe he felt it was going to be something a little bit different, but I, I don't know about all that. He was, he, it was just a, a review. If you read it, he seems, he comes across really bitter. I think that he's just been reviewing tons and tons of indie comics, you know, for years or whatever. And he's just really gotten burned out on it. His, his tagline for our review was basically this comic is perfectly fine. It's perfectly average. Uh, there's nothing special about it. <laughs> That's kind of what he said. Um, thank you. <laughs> wow. Like, <laughs> now, does that legitimize it in a way? Like, because I mean, it's always great to get 
glowing reviews, but I don't know. Is there ever a point where you read this review saying, we've made it? Like, someone actually felt this strongly about this book that they <laughs> felt the need to kind of tear us down. I don't know. It's weird that way. <laughs> I, I guess a little bit. I mean, any review gives a book legitimacy and it's really cool to actually have those reviews come in. And anytime anybody says anything new about it or posts anything about it, I get really excited. I love having people talking about the story and like fans or, or readers, uh, they've all been super positive. We haven't heard anything negative from a reader at all except for one, but that was like in an earlier draft of the story. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much everybody seems to like it, which I'm really excited for. And honestly, issue one is really good, but it's really just the introduction to the story. Right. You get to meet the main characters. You get to set up for everything, but it's a setup story. Issue two is where things get really, really interesting and you get kind of thrown into it. And one of the things I said on the Kickstarter is that issue two is nonstop comedy, violence and horror. And it is. It's just action from beginning to end with a lot of laughs, a lot of humor and uh, just a lot of like really grotesque things happening when the first demon comes out. <laughs> yeah, and we had talked about some of those demons and like the craziness they had to get into. And it's funny, like while it does, you know, hinge on a lot of Lovecraft and things like that, it uh, uh, reminded me a lot of like let's say the Evil Dead, where they do mix, you know, horror and gore, and there's this twinge of just really dark comedy where these horrible things are happening to these people, but yet you're laughing hysterically. And I don't know, there's something about that mix. It's just like, you can't really go wrong with that well I, I think you can actually it's, it's it's something that's very hard to do right and george and i spent a lot of time I'm, I'm not saying that we did it right but i feel like we did a pretty good job of coming close to what the best possible version of the story could be we spent a lot of time looking at it and trying to figure out where the comedy beat should be uh where the horror beat should be and just honestly issue one was our very first comic we ever wrote and we put everything we had into it and we were really proud of it but by issue two, we had learned a lot of things that we did wrong and we had improved upon things. And everybody that's read the script for issue two already has come back and said, I can't believe you fit this much content into 22 pages. Like, it, I don't understand how you did it. <laughs> right. And there's there's so much action. There's so much comedy. There's so much violence. There's so much blood. There's so many monsters. It's just really cool. I'm super excited for it. I, I think people are really going to love issue two. Uh, if you liked issue one, you will love issue two. That's that's basically what it is. <laughs> and it's remarkable because, uh, you know, obviously doing comics as someone who's not necessarily new just to them, but creating them is a completely different thing than reading them. And just seeing that growth, and that's something at least, especially on an indie level, where you see that with each issue, you know, you're growing not only as a writer, but also just as a professional because, you know, in addition to, of course, writing it, there's also the marketing aspect. And matter of fact, you guys actually have a company called Gray Bear Comics that you basically you built an umbrella for your comic. And that leads into a whole other thing. And again, I must just say, like, I'm really and it sounds really weird to say, but I'm like, I'm really proud of you. Like, you know, it's really cool to see someone really go to make a comic, but like really do the work and like, you know, really go all in on it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> it, it has been a lot of work. I mean, People that don't really deal with the industry very much or talk to the people behind the scenes don't really understand exactly how much work it is. Even though I do, and I've interviewed tons and tons of people and talked to them, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations off the microphone about how the process works and how to create a company and how to do the comics, I was still woefully unprepared for how much work it actually is. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody, you know, it's weird. You say to yourself, you know, I got this. Like, I mean, come on, this is not, I shouldn't say it's nothing, but, you know, you think, okay, it's going to be a challenge, but... I mean, and I'm speaking as someone who hasn't even made a comic, so obviously you're already one step ahead. Well, the writing aspect of it is easy. I mean, well, it's not easy because you got to write. 
you have to make yourself do it. You have to find time to do it. You have to set aside time every week. And you got to come up with something that you think is good or that you think other people will like as well. And you got to keep tweaking it until you get a finished product that you're happy with. Um, but the writing process is a lot of fun. There's nothing that I don't like about the writing process. Everything else is basically business management, which is what I went to school for. I've been managing businesses since I was 16. Like I, I know how to do it and I know how to build a business from the ground up, but it is a lot of work. And when you're working a full-time job and trying to create stories and trying to manage the business side of things at the same time, uh, and trying to lose weight, like I'm currently doing, <laughs> like <laughs> there's not a lot of time left in the day to, to do anything. Really, my entire life is this right now. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be with like a lot of creators. But speaking of other creators, you know, you mentioned that you got a lot of positive response. And, you know, looking at the Kickstarter for issue two, you guys do bring up like a lot of quotes from other creators who have, you know, had really good things to say about the book. You know, like Steve Orlando, who a lot of people would know from Midnighter. Uh, let's see, Christopher Sabella and Matthew Rosenberg, whom, you know, four kids walk into a bank probably one of like the best books out there right now so what's yeah. that like does it basically have people who not only are working in the industry but are are pretty well respected to give you you know that kind of praise on your book just starting out it's uh it's awesome that's really the only thing i can say about it i mean i've met these guys and interviewed these guys and actually formed friendships with a lot of these guys so uh and and there's it's it's weird how open so many of these creators are because even though like they're not really podcasters, like we deal with a lot of podcasters. So podcasters are very open with their lives and they talk about everything that's going on. And you see them post a lot of things on social media that, you know, the average person probably wouldn't feel comfortable putting out there, but podcasters are very open about that stuff. Comic creators are the same way. They don't necessarily have something like a podcast or a blog to do it with. But a lot of people like Chris Sabella, Justin Jordan, Matt Rosenberg, they post tons and tons and tons of personal stuff online their thoughts, their feelings, Justin Jordan in particular, he posts so many like scrapped ideas for comics that if you just took the bad ideas that he had, you could make like a bunch of amazing stories and movies and stuff. And these are the ones that he's throwing away. The ones he's just putting out there for the public to read. Like <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> but you, you meet these guys, you see how they interact. You see that they have this voice and you start talking to them. So many of them are approachable. So many of them are willing to like befriend you. And I honestly feel like a lot of these guys are my friend. They're not just acquaintances that I've met or talked to one or two times. Like they're guys that I can just like hit up and be like, Hey man, how's it going? And that's just really cool. And not only that though, but obviously you and George are, you know, really spearheading this. But on top of that, as you know, no man's an Island. So, you know, obviously you need a team to put things together and kudos to your creative team. Uh, let's see, you know, there's Ben Krieger, Chulin Zhao and uh, Samir Samal. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I hope I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, having already done the book, like, have you noticed that as far as managing, you know, the team been a little bit easier this time around? It hasn't really been easier because there was really nowhere for it to go to get easier. Like, they've been an absolute pleasure to work with from the very beginning. Samir is super talented. It's it's very dark in places, but it's also very cartoonish, and the characters have very like overemphasized facial expressions, which I think adds a lot to it because you really get a feeling for how the characters feel in every moment in the story. Um, Samir is just super talented. Like he's, I've said this from the very beginning. I think he's on the cusp of, of becoming a pro getting discovered by somebody bigger than me and putting them on a book that can actually make, you know, thousands and thousands of copies. His art actually in issue one, as good as it was, it's better in issue two. And that's something that George and I have talked about at length is, is we feel like he's really bought into the story. 
issue one, he was on board and he liked the idea and you know, he, but we, it was a new relationship. You know, he, he right. didn't really know us. He didn't really know how we were going to work with him. And he didn't really know that we were going to pay him on time. Cause I'm, we've, we've heard horror stories from him about other people that he's worked with that, you know, left him high and dry and stopped paying him in the middle of a project or scrapped the project halfway through or, you know, whatever. And, uh, or just treated him really badly. We're not that way at all. We take really good care of our people. You know, we, we pay immediately and, uh, we, we, always compliment him and we try not to be too demanding either. We let him have a lot of freedom in how he lays out the pages and stuff. There are some things we have to change occasionally just for story element kind of stuff. Right. But in general, we give him a lot of freedom with how he interprets our script and he doesn't just a fantastic job. And Chun Lin's the same way. Um, we get Samir's pages and send them over to her in China. And usually within a day we have her first color draft and it like, just like with Samir, it's very rare that we have to ask her to change anything. But, um, only I think in issue two, we've had to have her darken the portal slightly so that they match the exact same tone that they had in issue one. But like, that's it. <laughs> that's like the only thing we've asked her to change at all is just slightly, slightly darker, darker green. That's all we're asking for. <laughs> but not for nothing, though, I guess that makes sense because, you know, as I've learned working in at least a few jobs where you realize, OK, how do you obviously get your employees to be productive? You know, you treat them well, you know, you obviously intervene when you have to, but you know, I don't think anyone would ever have a good time if you're literally just standing behind them. And I don't even mean figuratively. I mean, quite literally cracking a whip behind them. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> well, you can't micromanage, especially not in something like comics. Cause ask any creator out there. Comics are supposed to be a collaboration. I mean, yes, this is George's my baby. Like this is something that we've put a lot of time into and we want it to look a certain way and we want it to be, you know, as close to perfect as it can be. But it's not just us. Samir, is just as Samir and Chun Lin are both as uh, important and integral to the creation process as we are because they put their own spin on it. They add their own flavor, their own little bits here and there. And all of that just improves our story. It, it enhances it in a way that, you know, we couldn't accomplish with a lesser artist or with, you know, ourselves just writing it as a, a script or something. One thing about Kickstarter is that everybody has different tips and strategies for how to properly market Kickstarter and things like that. So have you noticed at least maybe a little bit difference in doing issue two? Because I figured that since you've already had the first one under your belt, it's no longer like the theoretical, like, okay, can we do this? Like it's already been done. So what's your mindset like now going into a second time? Going into it or halfway through it? <laughs> well, like, well, I guess that's right. By the time this comes out, it's already halfway through, but I guess it will even both, really. <laughs> well, we sold about five to 600 copies of issue one so far. If you count the Kickstarter and what we sold at conventions and at shop signings. And like I said, everybody's been coming back and telling us how much they loved it. And I made a really big push before issue two's Kickstarter launch to try to get people to support us on day one. Because I've heard from many, many people that it's super important to get the funding and the support on day one so that you have a higher chance of getting featured and you have a higher chance of getting funded, right? Right. So we put out all kinds of feelers. We asked everybody, you know, we thought that that was going to happen, that we were going to get, you know, 100 backers on day one. And we ended up getting 18, which was really kind of underwhelming. Um, issue number one's Kickstarter. Everybody I've ever met in my life came out of the woodwork to back us <laughs> in the first week. And we hit, uh, I think it was 48% in the first week. And we were on cloud nine, you know, it was a positive experience all the way through. It was a little bit stressful in the middle because Kickstarter kind of comes in waves. Like you have a really good first week, week two and three, it kind of trickles in. And then week four, you have another big push. And usually that'll push you over the top if right. your product is good. 
that's kind of a trend that a lot of uh, people that do Kickstarter see. So the fact that we're only at 44% right now for issue two is kind of worrisome, but I don't really have an explanation for why that is. Uh, we've, we've been promoting it like crazy. We've been posting on Reddit. We've been posting it on uh, different forums. We've been posting it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and it's constant. I mean, if you, if you follow us, you can, you know, you've definitely seen us post about it. We pay for ads, you know, really, I don't know what it is. The only thing I can think is that there's a lot of really good creators with a lot of really good projects running right now. And it seems like October is just probably not the best month for trying to run a Kickstarter, even if it is a horror Kickstarter. I thought that was really going to work in our favor. Uh, but it seems like it's kind of hindered it a little bit because a lot of people have the same idea. Like it's really hard to compete with Ben Temple Smith when he puts out a really awesome looking horror Viking story the day after yours comes out. And he gets like 700% funded uh, day one. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that high. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he made like uh, $90,000 and he was only asking for nine. I mean, kudos to him. Like, he's amazing. He's super talented. And, you know, I understand why everybody wants to go and support him instead of the smaller guy that nobody's heard of. Uh, and I'm not bitter. I'm not trying to be bitter <laughs> or, or sound Well, no, yeah, definitely you're not as I think about it like, let's say, like sporting events where, you know, emotions are high, you're investing so much into it, and naturally you just want to see it come to fruition. So, believe me, like, I've talked to, you know, plenty of creators who have had Kickstarter, especially as they were running. And, you know, as I often joke, it's like, I don't think I could do it because me, I'd be a nervous wreck and I probably would be doing a lot more drinking. <laughs> well, I don't drink, so I don't even have that avenue of escape. But oh, then you know uh, what? Then I'm already jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a stressful process. I mean, anytime you're relying on your friends and your fans to support you, and you know, it's determinant whether or not you can make the project in the time frame that you want to make it, based on whether or not they can support you. Um, it's it's kind of nerve wracking. Like in some ways, I feel bad asking for help from anybody for anything, but. On the other hand, I know that what we're going to create is so spectacular and I know people are really going to enjoy it that, you know, I hope that they want to be invested and they want to be involved and they want to help support us and help us do it, you know? So it's kind of a a two-sided coin sort of thing. But, uh, I mean, we're almost halfway funded. There's right now uh, 16 days left to go in the campaign. So, I mean, we're not in, you know, dire straits or anything yet. There's still a really good chance we're going to make it. It's just uh, comparatively... Issue one's Kickstarter seemed to go a little bit better than issue two's has, which is really surprising to me. So while we're obviously in a subject of the Kickstarter, you know, let's talk a little bit about the reward. Have you framed things a little bit differently this time in terms of how the rewards get doled out as uh, compared to the first run? Well, we have more content to give away because we have issue one as well. So for a lot of people that missed out on the issue one Kickstarter, they can back issue two's Kickstarter and get both issue one and issue two now for a lot of the different reward levels. We still have three variant covers that we're also releasing as prints. Uh, one of them was done by Samir, our main artist, and that's the one with the demons. So if you got the very first Kickstarter uh, version of issue one, you saw that preview page in the back. That's one of the variant covers. Uh, we have another one from a very talented artist named Holly Randall. Um, she does very like fairy tale kind of artwork, and she did a really amazing one with the two boys like standing on this hilltop. Uh, with their weapons and stuff. And it's just really cool looking. And the very last one was done by a local artist, a friend of ours named James Ferry. He did a image of Effie, who's our main female protagonist that we introduced in issue two. Okay. And uh, she's kind of leaning in a doorway. She plays, uh, she's this, this gypsy character and she grew up in this town all by herself. Um, she used to be with the traveling encampment, but on the night where Tesla and Lovecraft accidentally opened that first portal and a bunch of monsters came through, her family was kind of massacred and she was left in this town by herself. 
So she's grown up on the mean streets, sort of like the boys have, but she's a lot more street savvy than they are. And she kind of becomes the big sister for the boys going forward. I feel so bad, though, because originally George was going to be on the show as well. I guess he had a previous engagement, couldn't make it. Yeah, he had to go to he had to go to Disney World. <laughs> oh, the, the nerve of this guy. Like, we have a podcast to do, and he's in Disney, like, hanging out with, like, goofies. Like, you know what? See, people get a little Hollywood on you, you know? <laughs> Let it all go to his head. Had to go to Disney. Oh, man. But <laughs> that's something that I think is my favorite part about the book is the camaraderie that you two share. It, it shows in the book, and it shows, obviously, like the like I said, the comedic beats and things like that, because I always refer back to the episode we did, talk about the first issue, and it's funny. Like, the humor is dark. <laughs> Like you guys, you know, like if you didn't know any better, I didn't even think you guys were friends though, but we had such a uh, great time. And again, kudos to George. And I think you couldn't have found a better uh, partner to work on this with. No, I I completely agree. Uh, It was really, it's so weird how you meet people and they end up becoming so important in your life. Because honestly, I met George at one of the sneak preview events for Guardians of the Galaxy, the movie. Really? He was a... He was a former coworker of Carrie's, uh, the host of the Metal Geeks podcast. And we just happened to run into Carrie while we were waiting in line for the sneak preview. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is George. And George and I started talking about Ninja Turtles and stuff. And it was kind of awkward. And then two weeks later, Carrie said that he wanted to do a podcasting roundtable thing in his house. So I went over there and George happened to be there. And it was his very first time podcasting. And uh, he and I started talking. We were making most of the jokes on the show. And then from that one interaction, we became really good friends and, you know, it just sort of became this thing. And now we're working on this comic together and we have a million ideas and (laughs) it's just really weird how things work out. And I say this in the most complimentary way I could think is that it's just so weird how things happen. Like you have someone on the show or even not even related to the show, but you're just talking to somebody and then next, you know, you're working on something together. And that's something that I've always loved about this medium is you talk to Anybody and everybody that, let's be honest, you never would have originally because yeah. um, I was just uh, joking to somebody that on my last show, or I guess episode 68, um, I had a gentleman who um, also from New York, you know, but granted, you know, his roots are actually, you know, in Jamaica. And at the same time, on a conference call with um, a lady in Canada, and then another guy like 12 hours ahead in Australia. And I'm thinking to myself, if it weren't for podcasting, I never would have had that happen. And it's just like, I always go back to this, but I love doing this. And that's something that I think is great as far as, like you said, you know, you're in business management, you're a comic book fan, but yet I think having that experience in podcasting also really helps in terms of being able to get the the book out there and help market it better because... Oh, absolutely. What better platform to do that than by, you know, having a comic book podcast? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, even without the without the podcast, I never would have made the book. And that's the truth. I mean, I could love comic books forever. I could read comic books forever. I could even have aspirations for being a writer. But if I hadn't done podcasts and talked to so many people and learned how the industry worked and, you know, gotten the encouragement from other writers, I don't think I ever would have pursued it. Right. And granted, you guys have been at this for what? It's been, what, three years now? Yeah, almost three years. That's right. Because um, actually, if you don't mind asking, what, what time did you start uh, Comical? Uh, January of, uh, 2014. Okay. So that was a little bit after I started the old show, but granted you still have, um, you know, a little bit of time on me because I started this one in January, uh, 2015, but yeah, like I love this medium so much and I hope that it continues to grow because it's funny that you just said 
the comic wouldn't have happened if he didn't do that. So I am always super excited to chat with podcasters who, hey, I've been doing it a long time because let's be honest, a lot of shows come and go and for various reasons, whether they be like, you know, family issues or, you know, things just fall aside. But you guys are what? It's we're on episode 136, 137 this week. Yeah, that seems like, you know, dog years and podcasting terms because getting an episode 100 is not easy. No, no. I mean, most of the shows, I think I read something once that says the average is like a show will start, it'll do about 20 episodes, and then it'll kind of fade into non-existence. Um, and that's common. That's that's what happens to most podcasts. Because uh, people don't realize when they get into this that it's actually a lot of work. You know, it you, is. Absolutely. You know, just like with anything. I mean, and, and doing the podcast and doing the comic book is like double the amount of work. <laughs> yeah, and you have a full-time job, and I'm like, how? Like, how are you not dead? Like, are you dead? <laughs> I, I just don't sleep. That's that's what it really is. Like I, uh, honestly, this is my life. I, I work almost two hours away from where I live, so I wake up what? every morning, get a shower, drive two hours, work all day, drive two hours back home, get home, eat dinner, hang out with my wife for about an hour, work out for about three hours, go to sleep, get up, do it again. Uh, on the days where I am uh, working on the comic, I just don't work out and I don't sleep. So <laughs> everything else, uh, like Sunday is the day that we've set aside just for comical. So I don't really have to work, you know, cause that was the weekend. So I wake up, Miguel comes over, we record, Miguel leaves, I eat lunch. I come back home. I edit for three to four hours, post the podcast everywhere, work on the comic book a little bit, work out and then go to bed Sunday. Oh, I usually, Christ, Sunday man. I usually get like seven hours of sleep and that's my big sleep day for the week. Most days. Oh, I so to- in other words, you basically store them and it's like rollover period where I just. <laughs> I get like two and a half hours most nights. See, and I used to be able to do that. But yeah, I realized, um, let's see, um, as uh, the time of this recording, it's been maybe at least a week or two since near Comic Con. And each year I used to do like all four days or originally all three days. This year I only did two days, but yeah, I guess it was that I was there for kind of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I've done this so many times, no problem. Because on those four day runs of Comic Con, I'd maybe get, I would say, six hours total and have no problem. You know, wake up in the morning, you know, blasting like Slipknot and like drinking full throttle. I'm already good to go. This year, I'm only 31, going to be 32 in like a week, two weeks. And yet I could not survive because, you know, I'm not going to lie. We were going to do this a couple of days ago, but unfortunately my body was like, nope, screw you. We're, <laughs> we're done. Yeah. I'm, I'm 34 now. I'm, I just turned 34 in August. And, uh, about a year ago I was having the same kind of problem. Like I try to do things and I just be tired all the time and sluggish. And, you know, I'm a fat guy. I've always been a fat guy. Uh, <laughs> well, so am I. So I, I, I feel you back in June though. I really like actually, actually before we started doing the comic, I made a decision to lose the weight and I started working out really hard. And then George approached me with the comic idea and all of that kind of went by the wayside because we had to devote so much time to setting up the company and to doing the comic. Uh, now that things are kind of moving on their own, I have the free time to work out most nights because I don't have to devote quite as much time to promotion. So I usually walk like three to four miles every night on my elliptical, sometimes longer if I can. I lift weights every night. I've dropped about 60 pounds since June. Uh, Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of hard work, uh, just like everything I do. But the cool thing is like I don't feel tired even though I'm sleeping less than I probably have in my entire life. And the only thing that's really changed is the exercise. I feel like the fact that I'm exercising just makes everything so much easier 
like physically. I, I don't feel right. tired. I don't feel run down. And that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm addicted to exercising. I think now just for that one feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. And you know, to change your entire lifestyle is probably even harder than any comic or podcast you could do because, you know, as someone who's very set in his ways and, you know, I'm honest, like podcasting is like the least active activity you could possibly do. <laughs> like if my legs ran as fast as my mouth did, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like Usain Bolt. It'd be crazy. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong, you know. Actually, you asked what the difference is between being behind the counter or or being out on the floor. I've I've actually tried to do both, do coverage and do sales, and that was an absolute nightmare. It's impossible to devote <laughs> the correct amount of time to doing both because you just kill yourself for nothing. The real difference is you feel about the same amount of exhausted at the end of the day, uh, but with doing that as a podcast, you're walking around nonstop. So you walk you know 10 to 15 miles in a day do a bunch of interviews. You're constantly having to wait in lines to talk to people and stuff. As a salesperson though, you're basically sitting behind a desk and you're saying the exact same thing over and over and over and over again to every person that walks by to try to get them to pay attention enough to you to, to look at the book. So like the last con we went to probably, I probably pitched the book about 2000 times over the course of three days. Wow. And I mean, without podcasting, I don't think I would have developed the, uh, I don't know, tracheal fortitude to be able to do that without, <laughs> without losing my voice. But, uh, the fact that I've done so many podcasts and I, I talked all the time, uh, has really helped with that aspect of it. Cause George lost his voice super fast and he, he podcasts, but he doesn't do it quite as much as I do. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think that that definitely helps, <laughs> but that's the big difference. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, like as far as like the marketing, because you're talking to so many people, and like the first day I did a con, I felt a little hoarse. But then by like the second night, it's like a kickback in, and I'm like, you know what? I will say, you know, my vocal cords are probably ripped right now because <laughs> I've done so much work exercising them. But still, man, that's super cool that you managed to do all these things. And also, again, kudos on like the, the whole weight loss thing. Like I tried it once, it was miserable, never tried it again. So I'm always apl applauding anybody who can stick with it and just make it happen for them. Well, thanks, man. I mean, I've, I've always enjoyed lifting weights. Like I've, I've never not liked lifting weights, but I, I fall out of it. I would always be like, I do it for a couple of months and I stop. I always hated cardio. Like I don't like walking. I don't like running and I try to do it with music and it would just get really boring. But since I've become such a fan of podcasts, I started doing it while listening to various shows and I keep discovering all kinds of new things and listening while I walk or run. And, uh, it's really just kind of kept me going cause you get lost in it. And then before you know it, an hour has gone by. And that's right. really uh, that's another really beneficial thing of podcasts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Justin, I'm so glad to have been able to chat with you again. And I apologize that my body gave up on me that we couldn't do it sooner. But I'm glad that we're able to get together this time. <laughs> it's fine, man. I'm, I'm always happy to come on. Always happy to talk to you. we got to get you back on Comical sometime soon, too. Absolutely. Like, I had so much fun. And it's sad, though. The first time I was on the show, you guys weren't even there. <laughs> Um, and you and Miguel, like, I will say 
you know, you meet so many podcasters, you meet so many people doing this, but, you know, granted, it probably sounds like I'm like, you know, trying to blow you up here, but yet a lot of people, you know, they come and go, but yet, you know, Comical has been one of like pretty much like the most consistent podcasts, not only just your show, but how you deal with everybody else because you're super supportive and you always have other people's back. So if I, I don't get to say this enough, but also wanted to say thank you, by the way for everything that you guys do because yeah if you think about it though when we first started my old show um you guys were among like really one of like the first set of podcasters to really kind of reach out and befriend us long before i had one solo so i always kind of hold on to that that's another really weird thing about podcasts um it's just you just reminded me of it like i've talked to a lot of newer podcasts recently because i've been doing most of the conventions i go to i do a podcasting panels as well and we're trying to get more people into the thing. And we're lucky in Houston because we have so many different podcasts about different things. And we're all kind of connected by these like local networks. Right. So like at the big cons, we usually do uh, like we set up like a nice table and we have all of the shows do a live show from the floor of the con. And then a few, a very select few get to do it in like a room on a stage. Um, and we usually do ours there. We usually have like a panel as well, teaching people about podcasting. It's a very podcast friendly city that I live in, which is awesome. Um, but one of the things that I've learned from talking to so many new people is that, uh, they, they all kind of have this very tight knit group of shows that they befriend as they're coming up. And then those, I mean, the ones that survive, they all end up like supporting each other throughout their entire career as podcasters. And I feel like you guys or you now, not, not guys, it's just you and the comic syndicate and like dark angels and pretty freaks. And, uh, I know I'm metal geeks. I know I'm forgetting a few of them, but like just, there's just this group of, you know, 10 podcasts or so that all started becoming really active on social media around the same time that we did. And we've kind of formed this like really tight knit connection with everybody and we keep in touch and we keep supporting each other. And even before the Potter and family movement really kind of took off, I feel like we were doing the same thing, like retweeting each other's stuff and like trying to help each other get an audience. And uh, it's just a really cool thing that I've, I've noticed a trend of with other podcasts. Right. And, you know, you have to. And, you know, you support when you can. And it sucks because you always feel like you want to do more with it. But, you know, and especially now, obviously, you're much busier and shows thankfully have been getting picked up and getting noticed and you're doing more things. So sometimes it's hard because, you know, you want to pitch them when you can. And sometimes you may not be able to. So, I mean, for anybody who's listening, you know, obviously, we, we still support you. We're still out there. And I just wanted to end on that. It's just a fed matter of support because that's really what it's about and whether it be you know your show or you know especially you know speak no evil and matter of fact do you guys still have the uh the podcast campaign to it it was hear no evil correct uh it's speak some evil actually oh speak some evil <laughs> i'm sorry i i missed that yeah we do uh actually one of the reward levels um the earlier versions of it you can get speak speak some evil is episodes three and four uh but i think if you pledge thirty dollars or more you get all four podcasts um, they're kind of behind the scenes where George and I sit down and talk about the creation process, how we came up with certain characters, how we develop certain things. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, everybody that's listened to the first two uh, really, really seem to enjoy them. So it, it's just one more thing that I've done that people seem to like, which makes me happy. <laughs> well, before we go, obviously, we should let everybody know uh, the Kickstarter once again. And then afterwards, please tell everybody where they can interact with you more on social networking. Yeah, uh, just go to kickstarter.com and do a search for Speak No Evil or follow us on any of our social media where we are plugging it all the time. Uh, we are Gray Bear Comics on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. That's G-R-A-Y. If you want to follow Comical Podcast, that's just Comical Podcast pretty much anywhere. 
Um, and both accounts are just plastering speaks, <laughs> speak no evil everywhere. So <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody out there that is following me. That's tired of seeing it, but, uh, <laughs> I got to raise that money. <laughs> no, you got to do what you got to do, man. You know, a good friend had once said it and I mean, granted it's not podcasting, but it's, I think it holds true is, you know, he often uses a hashtag. It's a marathon because it, it is. is, you know, you don't just do it like one day and then it's like, Oh, you're done after that. It'll sort itself as like, no, you have to keep constantly going at it and chipping away. And hopefully that it pays off. Yeah. Yeah. Just like with anything, anything worth doing is worth taking the time to do right and devote, devote the energy to making it as good as you possibly can. And I, I live my life by that motto. You know, I devote what I can to everything that I do. And, uh, I usually, as long as I'm happy with the end result, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> right. And I know, I feel like we sound like some sort of like old Mr. T PSA where it's like, you know, drinking milk, stay in school kids, you know? <laughs> well, we're, we're both over 30. So I, I think that means we're old now. Adrian. <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's funny you should say that. And I hope it doesn't mind me saying this. I'm going to say this and I'll shut up. But, um, I was just a guest once again on TV, ate my brain, uh, Daniel Schubert, really great kid. Uh, we were reviewing, uh, Luke Cage and I, you know, and he's about, let's say 18. And of course, like I'm 31, going to be 32, like in a couple of weeks. And I made this reference and I realized like, oh my God, like I'm now slowly, but surely ending up on the other end of that gap. I'm like, does anybody know what this reference is anymore? <laughs> I've had that happen to me many times, even in the comic, like we'll write something and we'll be like, well, can we really even use that? Like, well, will the audience get it. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to change things sometimes, but yeah, I mean, Miguel does it all the time. Miguel's 10 years older than me. So he says all kinds of references and I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> See, and then he makes them on a show and it's like, I, you laugh even harder at those. I'm like, Oh dear God, I am old. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, like Miguel's going to be pissed at both of us. that we basically just called him an old fart. Oh, I call him an old fart every day. It's nothing new. Nothing. He hasn't heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here. Speaking of evil, check it out, Kickstarter. Please support it. Support indie creators, support indie comics, because without them, you know, the comic scene will not be what it is. It's not all just Marvel and DC. Don't get me wrong, that stuff is great, but there's so many more books out there that I think people really need to get behind. And obviously, that's what this show is about, and hopefully Justin will be back on, and we'll be hopefully chatting about issue three. So go out there and fund it and get this book made. And with that said, this will do it for this episode of Atron Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm His Issues. Wait, what? Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm... Wait, wait, that's not right. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. Tune in to the Adrian Has Issues podcast. Each week we chat with some great people. Including me from time to time. Comic book creators, comedians. Musicians and actors. Tax collectors. Zamboni drivers. <sighs> 
point is, basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture. Visit AdrianHasIssues.com where you can download and stream every episode. Especially the ones featuring yours truly. Visit Adrian Has Issues on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing I am. Us. I mean us. Ah, oh, McKenna, you're way cooler than I am anyway. Aw, oh, thanks, babe. Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice save, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com. <laughs>